bow the knee, aren't we? Every tongue will confess. Amen. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Colossians? The book of Colossians in the New Testament. I want to just say thank all of you so much. I think about um, everything that goes on and we had some folks out today traveling and and uh, they had to give Brother Doug a crash course on the sound system. And he did that this morning and didn't realize this. But Nathan was streaming it from wherever he was and helping in that way. And, and uh, Brother Nate's starting to work with the choir for the Christmas cantata. And a lot going on. I appreciate it. Um, you know, really this is, uh, you know, someone termed in the church... October Pastor Appreciation Month, but I think we ought to just make it a Ministry Appreciation Month. Um, I grew up, if you don't mind, let me uh, walk down uh, the antiquity lane just for a moment. I was uh, raised in a little church in Hinton, West Virginia called Riverview Chapel. And uh, if you was to ask me who our pastor was, I would have told you Harry Pilkington. He was, he spoke most of the time. Um, we had a plurality of elders there in that church. But I thought today, all of the people that influenced my life there as a boy. I know I'm going to name some names. You don't know who they are, but... I'm going somewhere with it. I think about a man by the name of Eddie Allen. Eddie Allen worked at Kroger. And uh, he loved the Lord. And he started to teach the Sunday school class, the teen teenagers. He taught the teenagers Sunday school class. He had a huge impact in my life. He was the very first person and the only person that I've ever listened to teach all the way through the book of Esther. And he applied that to us as, as teenagers. I think of someone by the name of Larry Deeds. He happened to be one of the elders, but he was the, the man that was driving down the road that day, and I looked in the mirror, and his eyes met mine, and he asked me what I was going to do with my life. He spoke all the time. I think of a man by the name of David Pollock. And by the way, I was at Cook's Chapel the other day, Kim, when I was preaching there, and David Lambert is there helping with the music. And I just mentioned Brother, uh, Brother Deeds. I didn't even give the first name. And so at the end of the message, Brother David, a young man, come up to me and said, oh, was you talking about Brother Larry Deeds? I said, yeah. He said, oh, my goodness. He said, he paddled me at school one time. <laughs> and he said, he took me to a camp, a children's camp. And he said, I was a counselor there. And he said, there was another older gentleman there that was in a camper. I said, that was Mr. Pilkington and that was Larry Deeds. I said, I grew up under both of those men. I think of my grandpa. <laughs> in our church that we grew up in, we had a first service. It was different than the rest of the service. We had the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And in that particular service, anyone could stand up and, and give a little thought. And my grandpa a lot of times would do that. Amen. And sometimes, bless his heart, he would say things so inappropriate there. He'd try to fix a problem during the Lord's Supper. Amen. But I can still remember him. When I walked in, my, in the church, I knew my grandpa was there by two things. His big old black Bible with his black case would be sitting on the 
staircase and I could hear him downstairs in the bathroom and he'd either be singing or humming so precious is Jesus my Savior my King I can still I can hear him he'd hum it when he was downstairs I can think of little old Miss Joan Pilkington there was a time when the men that had been teaching and instructing the teenagers just quit they just quit they just he said we're going to stop. And it tore her up. And she said, I just didn't think it right. She said, somebody had to influence y'all. And so she picked it up. You remember that, Kim? She picked it up. She started teaching us. And she was the one that was quizzing us. We'd have those quizzes. And the only time I ever quizzed out, and I didn't even know Laura then, but she was there. I quizzed out at your church at Cook's Chapel. And that was because Miss Pilkington started the quizzing with us. And I can remember there was a particular subject that she had to deal with one night and she was so very embarrassed that so she said, I asked Harry the best way to explain this word. And so she explained it. And I'm sitting there red-faced, even as a boy. I can think of it now. But the, way I say, the reason I say that is, you know, when I grew up, there was more people that had an influence in my life than my pastor. And there's a whole heap of people. And I could go down names of my wife that influenced her. I can think of a Mr. Weiss had a great influence in your life. I can think of a Carolyn Worley that was teaching of the teen. Frances Worley, she would teach your teen class, had a great influence. And she was a homemaker. Didn't never, she never worked out of the house. She was just a homemaker, loved the Lord, great Sunday school teacher. Uh, we could go, John Wills, John Wills would do the children's church and Laura and I was talking about that the other day and said, boy, when they did children's church, they did it just like church. Amen. They would make her or have her play the piano as a child. And, and so many people have influence on our lives. So I want to say to all of you young people and everyone that's here, there is a wealth of influence in this building. Amen. You need to learn from them. And you need to let them influence your life while they're here because there will be a day they will not be. Colossians chapter 1, I want to encourage you and let's look at verse number 21. Actually, let's go on up to verse 18. I, I preached on this this morning and I want to preach on this for the next few Sunday nights. I want to encourage you. I want to emphasize the church a little bit. I started this this morning. In verse 18, the Bible says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you, boy, I love this verse. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by, by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight. Here it is. Y'all ready? If you continue in the faith, Grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Heavenly Father, pray you'll speak tonight. Use your word. We're trusting you for it. 
and we'll ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, we tried to emphasize a little bit this morning, we wanted to pull out that grounded and settled. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled in the gospel. So we talked about that, and I I don't know if I made that point real clear, but, you know, um, when I started out in Bible college, there was just a heavy, heavy dose of preaching of don't quit, don't quit. Actually, before I even got there, he made, they made us listen to a, a CD said it was the title, but none of these things move me. It was by Dr. Hudson. He's passed away. But that, that CD was a prerequisite before you could attend the college that I went to. You had to listen to it and you had to check a box that you did. And of course I did. But that whole thing was basically don't quit, to stay faithful and just be grounded and settled and I heard preaching, and you know, I never understood. I even told Laura that. I said, I don't understand why we keep hearing this kind of preaching. Well, after the end of the first semester, I realized why. Probably a third or a half of the student body that came there as a freshman quit before their freshman semester. And someone might say, well, it's because of where they went. No, I think that is pretty much across the board at most Bible colleges. But I don't even need a Bible college to be an example of that. As I've been in this thing for 26 years, I now realize why God put this prerequisite here. He said, if you, he says, in the body of the flesh do death to preserve you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the truth and grounded and settled. And I want to really emphasize that because we need to be grounded and settled. There's some things that should be settled. Number one, we know the Word of God is settled. Our heart, our salvation should be settled. Hey, we we, we ought to have some grounded and settledness in our hearts and lives. I, I said this this morning. There's a lot of things I don't know and I'm not sure about, but I know there's one thing. I'm settled. I'm saved. I don't deserve to be saved, but I'm telling you right now, I'm settled. I don't have one doubt because I have trusted of Jesus Christ for my salvation. And his promise is true. I don't always feel saved. Obviously, I don't always act saved, but I know I am saved. That's settled. And by the way, if you're here tonight and that's not settled for you, you need to get that settled. That's, that's something in this passage. The Bible says if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. That's our choice. So we know there's a lot of things to be settled. But I think also as we looked at verse 18, the subject here is the church. He said, and he is the head of the body, the church. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, should be preeminent. He has the first claim on our life. So he established the church. And then we went over. Uh, to the book of uh, Galatians, and we read some verses there about how we should love the church, how the Lord Jesus loved the church. So we ought to be grounded and settled, and we ought to be grounded and settled in the church. And by the way, it's not a building, it's not a place. People, and I say that again, y'all understand the church is not a building. It's a group of people, but even more than a group of people, it's what the church is doing. The ministry that it should be carrying out. The work that we're doing here on earth should be God's work. And the Bible, this is God's way. This is God's, I told you this morning, my idea of church is different than the way God set it up. I do it differently. Trust me, I would do it differently. But this is God's way. He wants a church. This is a living organism where a group of people come together 
and they're saved. They're in the body of Christ and they're carrying out the work of God. We're His hands, we're His feet, we're His eyes, we're His lips, we're His mouth. On earth, we are carrying out His work. Now, that amazes me. If I'm the founder of the church, I'm staying here and doing it myself. Because if I know I'm going to do it, it's going to be done the way I want to do it. But see, don't we serve a loving God? His plan is for us to be able to be in a church and be with a group of people. And here's the amazing thing about the church. We come from different places, different backgrounds, different cultures, different geographical places. It's amazing. And our common denominator is Jesus Christ. There's different tastes in here tonight. There's different likes. There's different dislikes. But hey, a church comes together under the umbrella of salvation in Jesus. So we ought to be, we ought to love our church. We ought to be grounded and settled in church. I said it this morning. By the way, I love you enough. If this ain't where you need to be, don't be here. I, I told you this this morning. There was a gentleman years ago, and I got up in love, and I mean it now. I said, listen, if you cannot grow here, I don't want you here. He said, oh, well that, and this man, here's what he said to me. He said, I ain't never had a preacher tell me to leave. He could. I said, and you still ain't heard when I said, you misunderstood me. I said, sir, I love you so much. And I mean this. You ain't going to hear very many preachers say this. But if you really love somebody, that means, if, even if you love somebody, that means if they're better somewhere else to fit and they can grow, you want them to be there. Because right. anything other than that would be selfish for me. <laughs> But I will say this, I know this and I'm never taking it personal. There's different strokes for different folks. I've seen too many preachers take that personal. So, oh, No, I love you. But listen here, here's what I am going to be dogmatic about. Wherever you plant, get settled and get grounded. That's what he's saying here. Stay grounded. Be settled like an unmovable rock. You know what you believe and you know why you believe it and no one is going to shake you. That's what we need today. So in this passage he said, be grounded. How can we be grounded? Well, if you're going to ground, you're going to be grounded, you're going to stay in and you're going to stay grounded and settled then you, if you're going to do that, you've got to love the church. So we preached about it all morning. Why do you stay married? Because you love the one you married. Mm-hmm. You stay grounded and settled because you love the one you married. Why do you stay grounded and settled? Here you go. You love the church. Why? Because you love the one who founded it. Amen. You love the one who founded it. This is his idea. So he founded the church. So we love him and we love the church. We're grounded and settled. We love the church. We love the ch- love is a choice. Love is constant. Love causes. Love changes and love charges. But let me give you some other reasons tonight why and how we can stay grounded and settled in a church, in the church for you and for me. We learn lessons through the church. We not only love the church, but as we're attending and being a part of the work of God through a church, we're learning lessons. Now, I think Brother Edgy and I was speaking earlier, but I've had this conversation with Pastor Altizer so many times. We'll be driving down the road or he'll even call me and we'll get to talking about ministry. Here's what Pastor Altizer will say to me. And by the way, 
He'll be here, Lord willing, this weekend for Kaylee's wedding. Here's what he said to me. He said, Brother Mark, he said, you probably learned a whole lot more what not to do working with me than what you did to do. Now, I didn't say that. He said that. But you know what? That's truth. Same here. You can learn lessons from people's successes, but the greatest lessons learned is in people's failures. And by the way, when you're involved in a work of God and we have patience with one another, we have grace and we love one another, we understand, we have to realize we're dealing with imperfect people. And by the way, we're going to have failures here. But we learn lessons from our failures. We can learn lessons from people's successes. But here's where I really want to go with this. Because I even tell our children that ride on the bus. I, I've told them when we took them to a camp years ago. I really spent a lot of time. I said, look, because I knew their home life. They didn't have a mom, a dad present. They were in a single family home. And even to be honest, there was a whole lot of different things going on in those children's lives than I knew. So I would try to tell them, listen, here's another reason why it's important you come to church and that's why it's so important that we have a good responsibility on us. Do you know that children can come here and see what real home life and marriage should be? Yeah. They ought to be able to come here and see a husband and a wife that actually attend church together, love the Lord. They're not perfect, but they can see something that they've never seen and give them hope. So can I say we should learn lessons from the church? Can I quickly, can we quickly go to Psalm chapter 42? And uh, this passage just really popped out for me uh, here recently. Um, you know, I know not everybody here is a hunter, but, you know, I, I learned something about this verse. Of course, we know the psalm is a song, but in chapter 42, we have, we've also heard other songs. As a deer, that's a song. That comes from this passage of Scripture. That's what a heart is in this verse of Psalm 42. And I believe this writer of this, the human penman, is giving the inclination that the heart, the deer, has been wounded. Because there is some truth to that. The very first deer that I ever wounded, the first thing he did was head to water. Now, not every deer I've ever wounded has went to water, but a lot of times deer will seek out water when they're wounded. Now I want you to notice the psalm as you read this. The Bible says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Whether the heart's wounded or not, there's one thing clear. He's thirsty for the water. He's running to the water. There is a, there is a hunger and a thirst. Look at verse 2. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Look at verse 3. My tears. So he's wounded. The, uh, the author of this is wounded. My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. I went with them to the house of God, thank God, with the voice of joy and praise of the multitude that kept holy day. Can I just use application here? I think some things that we ought to be learning, some lessons from the church, is just simply this, what this pastor's scripture, I think it ought to cultivate our church family, our ministries, what God's doing here and in our lives, ought to cultivate a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. Now listen, I know this. I, I, I get this. We were just talking about it earlier. I think it was me and Brother Edgy. I know everybody has different preferences. 
I know everybody has different preferences. Now I'm speaking of music. Everybody has different preferences. And I'm going to be honest, you know, there's some that I like better than others. There's some services and some choir songs and some specials. To be quite honest with you, I like better than others. I like certain styles better than others. But I'm going to be honest with you, I ain't going to pick a church based on music. Now, that's just me. You can do what you want. But I'm just telling you right now, because here's what the Bible says. We ought to be thirsting after the Lord. Now, I believe there is a place in music. I'll be honest. Laura and I drove home from West Virginia yesterday, and there really wasn't a whole lot of things said. We were listening to good, godly music, and we were doing our share fare of crying. Because the Lord was moving and working in our hearts, speaking to us. God uses music. There's no doubt about it. Amen. But I want you to know, I think what I would like, and we've tried to cultivate here, is I'd rather us have a hunger for the Word of God. The primacy around here, to me, is the Word of God. The preaching and the teaching. And, you know, if we have any event, we always want to give the Word of God. So we, we ought to be hungering, thirsting after what? Eternal things. We ought to be hungering and thirsting after healthy things. Eternal and healthy things. And what lessons do we learn through the church? Number one, we ought to simply be hungry. How does the church teach us or instruct us? And by the way, when I say that, what about your life? You're the church. I'm the church. Do I live the kind of life, and I have to say, oh, me here. Do I live the kind of life all the time that I'm helping cultivate in the heart of somebody else that they have a hunger for the word of God? I pray that Tiftonia Baptist Church is the kind of church that teaches, that cultivates, that, that, that desire for the Word of God. They're hungry, they're thirsty. I, I remember when I was a Bible college man, Sunday was a day I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get to the building so I could hear the Sunday school lesson and the preaching and all of what entailed with that. I was hungry to get there. Have y'all lost your hungry and thirstiness? Oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just another Sunday. No, it's another day that the Lord's given us. It's another day that the Lord has an opportunity, wants to have an opportunity to speak to us. And so I pray that Tiftonia Baptist Church is the kind of church that teaches and cultivates and the desire and the hunger and the thirst for the Word of God. So we ought to learn lessons from the church. Can I just say this? We ought to be hungry for the word of God. Can I say this quickly? We ought to be hungry for the will of God. Are you right in the smack dab middle of God's will for your life right now? Are you there? Am I there? You know, that's a personal question that only you and I can answer. Oh, I know, we got a lot of people out here trying to tell us what the will of God is. And by the way, I tell people all the time, I don't know every little detail of your life. I don't know it. I know the big things. I know the fundamental things. There are some things clear that's universal to every Christian. That's the will of God for you. So when people try to say something to me that's opposite of what God's already exclaimed, has already claimed to be His will, you've done went too far. Now, you know, where you're supposed to live, that's between you and the Lord. 
you know, who you should marry, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm telling you right now, there are some things that are basic, basic things that you know what the will of God is. For instance, simple, but everybody knows it's not the will of God for you to go out here and rob a bank tomorrow. All of you know it's not the will of God for you to go out of this place tonight and go lie somewhere. Everybody here knows it's the will of God not to go out here and do something immoral. We all know that. We all know that it's not the will of God for our evil, our good, to be evil spoken of. We all know that's the will of God. We all know that there are certain habits or certain things of life that we know all that the will of God that He permits us or does not permit us to do based on His Word and the principles of God's Word. So if you want to talk about basic will of God, then we can talk there. Those things are very simple. But here's the thing. We ought to be hungry for doing the will of God. Someone asked me the other day, as I was leaving that church the other night, I didn't ask any questions, but a young lady come up to me after the end of the church the country church up on the mountain. I was sitting out on the stoop of the porch of the, of the church. And she came to me and she's like, Brother Mark, she said, how did you know it was God's will for you to move to Tennessee? Well, in my mind, the first thing I thought is she's thinking about moving somewhere. It's the first thing I thought. And so I don't know anything else about it. So before I spoke, I thought, well, I want to be helpful to her. And I don't know her situation. But she asked me a question, I'm going to tell her. And I said, all right. I said, well, I said, God had put some things in my heart. The door opened, and I said, I just want you to know it was the hardest move we, I ever made. Now, my mom and dad didn't help that real well, neither did Noah. We got packed up. We're getting ready to go. They show up. And I'm, I'm being honest with you. I cried for so long, I was snubbing. And crying, Pastor. Now, Pastor Altizer pulled me in my office. He said, Mark, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, don't you know? <laughs> I mean, he said it just like that. He said, what's wrong with you? And then he said this, you need to get this together. It's like, thanks for the compassion. <laughs> I said, Pastor, it's hard. But here's what I told this girl. But I said, you know what? Even though it was hard, I didn't want to leave. It didn't stop me from going. Yeah. I had more of a peace to leave than a peace to stay. And I said, if I answer your question as quickly as I know how to do it, there is a peace that you know and you don't have to fabricate it. Yeah. You don't have to push through it. You can tell the whole world openly because you know it's the will of God. And I said, I hope that helps you. She said, it does. But you know what? I hope our church is such a way that we're so wise here that we have a group of people that if someone is particularly struggling with small details in the will of God, I hope it will cultivate people that come around our church that can be hungry for the will, the small details, and they even want to be in the smallest of detail of the life that God has for them. Chris came up to me and my wife the other day. He came up to Laura first. And, I mean, this is stuff you don't think about. Do you mind me sharing? 
Chris came up to my wife the other day. She said, y'all probably, and he was really attributing it to the church. He said, y'all probably saved my life. And Laura said, how so? Said there was someone that he was friends with just recently passed away. Probably not doing the right thing. And Chris said, if I wouldn't have got right with the Lord and this church wouldn't have influenced my life, he said, I I could have very well been with him. I mean, when I talk about the will of God, I'm not just saying, well, the preacher told me this. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the way our church lives, acts, functions, gives counsel. It's important. The little small details of the will of God is important. We ought to be hungry for the will of God. Can I ask y'all a question tonight? Y'all hungry for the will of God or do you want your way? By the way, I like my way too. And you know what I've learned about Christians? We become, we become salesmen. We can con people say, well, this is, what, this is what God wants for me. Well, as long as it is, that's what's best. But I want you to know something. We need to make sure we're hungry for the detailed will of God for your life. We ought to be hungry for the will of God. Can I say we ought to be hungry for the work of God? Our church ought to cultivate a hungerness for the work of God. I really believe that. Our hunger for His work in lives of people. We ought to be hungry for that. We ought to see it comes from knowing. By the way, I'm going to tell you where that comes from. When you know how He's worked in yours. If you know He's worked in yours and changed your life, it makes you hungry to see other people's lives change and for God to work in theirs. It really does. We ought to, by the way, Mr. Aiden, you've encouraged me, man. He wants to do something for the Lord. I'm excited about it. We all ought to get excited about it. But I told him today, I said, now look, I'm not trying to scare you. And I think he, I know he knows what I'm talking about. I said, but you're trying to do what's right. I said, get ready because he's after you now. And I said, he'll put good things right in front of you, and they'll be good things. You've got to ask God for discernment. I gave him my phone number, but you know what? There ought to be some other older, wiser men than me. Get his, make sure you give him your phone number. So he can get some help, get some encouragement from somebody that can help him and give him godly counsel. But listen to me. Don't give him your number if you're not going to give him godly counsel. Safe, godly counsel. For the work of God. Wow, he's changed us. I want to see him change other people, Brother Don. I'm hungry to see other people. I know how he's changed mine. There's a man by the name of Wilford. He's the same man that asked about Stone. Wilford Adkins, that's his name. I sat and talked to him there before church one night. And he said, Brother Mark, I'm going to tell you something right now. There was a time you wouldn't, because he was talking about it. He said, you know, churches used to support other churches when they had revivals. He said, I'm trying to get on the folk at my church to come over and, and support this meeting a little bit. And he said, here's why I do it. Because he said, there was a time you wouldn't have caught me dead in this building. But he said it was only the grace of God. He changed old Wilfred Atkins' life. That's what he said. He said, and I'm glad the change he's made. Are you hungry for the work of God? You know why? If you're going to be hungry for the work of God, 
you know how he's worked in your life. You know, right now in this church, there's a, I don't want to be too, but there are men right now in this church has been coming now for several, several, several weeks, and they're in very defining moments in their life. They're in the fight of their life. They're in the fight of their life because I'm going to tell you something right now. They, they are in the fight of their life. And by the way, we all struggle with addictions and struggle with the will of God. But I, I've been humbled to think, and one of these men have been inviting. I mean, the other night there were seven or eight of these men here. There's several of them here tonight. And I want these guys to know I love them and I appreciate them. And they've been a great encouragement to me. They could be somewhere else tonight. But I believe they're interested. They know the fight that they got to put up. And they know that they need to be hungry for the work of God in their life. And we ought to be hungry for the work of God. And then can I just say this? We ought to be hungry for the worship of God. You say, Pastor, you mean right here... Well, we're not worshiping God because we're not standing. By the way, I'm not against that either, but we're not standing up here and raising. No, I get all that. I think worship in the sense is getting down. Worship's getting down. If you look at that word, it's talking about it's getting obeisance. You're in obeisance to the Lord. I'm going to tell you all right now, if the Lord Jesus Christ walked in this door, there wouldn't be a one stand up to their feet. I'm going to guarantee you where we get, we couldn't get down to the floor enough because we see pure holiness. We worship Him with our lives. I've learned this and in my own life, words come cheap. We worship Him with our lives. By walking out of this church and the very God of heaven speaking to me and me worshiping Him in a way that I obey Him. That's worship. By the way, I love, I love, I think, when the pianist, and that was a beautiful, this morning, the trumpet and the piano, but if you notice they play something, we can be worshiping the Lord as they're playing. We're worshiping the Lord when we're singing. Yes, we're giving Him praise, but to be fair, we we ought to delight and be hungry to worship Him with listening and obeying His Word and His will and His work in our life. I hope and pray this is the kind of place that will cultivate that. You know, one of the phrases that people said about the the disciples, here's what they said. They they took notice that they had been with Jesus. That'd be a pretty good compliment if they came here to church and said, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. Those people, something different about them. They've been with Jesus. Let's ask God to cultivate and learn lessons as the church of God. Amen. We ought to be grounded and settled because we ought to be hungry for the word of God, the will of God, the work of God, and the worship of God. Grounded and settled. Some of you young people, we're going to close. Some of you young people, right now you're coming because your parents are making you. That's good. But somewhere along the line, you've got to get your own. And that's only cultivated by your own personal relationship with the Lord.
But what that ought to do is ground and settle you in him. Amen? Let's be grounded and settled. There's too much wishy-washy stuff today. We need to be grounded and settled in the truth and in the gospel. Amen? And I think we ought to be grounded and settled in the church. Y'all agree? Let's stand to our feet. We'll be dismissed. Before we turn this over to Brother Don, let's just bow our head. Let's close our eyes. Let's just pray. Let's ask God to help us. You know, I couldn't help it. I thought of, you know, Miss Pilkington. I thought of uh, Eddie Allen. I thought of uh, Mr. Weiss in Laura's church. I, he's in heaven now. I thought of Miss um, uh, Francis Worley, Mr. John Wheels. Uh, we could go Larry Deeds, David Pollock. I, all of these men that had influence in my life. I want the children that grow up in this church to be able to say the same. And they're here. The influences are here if the children and the young people will let the church family of Tiftoni Baptist Church be an influence. If you'll watch their lives and if you'll, they'll have a great influence in your life. Can I ask y'all, how many of y'all would like to be one of those people? Somewhere down the road, when these children, when they grow older, they look back and when they think about your life, you cultivated in their life a hunger for the work and the Word of God. How many of you would like to know, be that way? Boy, I would too. God help us. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray as we Think about in this day where so many things are being minimized. I pray you'll help us to be hungry as this heart for you. And Lord, the church is your institution. You founded it. And so I pray you'll help us as we look to you. As we look to your will, your way, your work. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to worship you. Yes, with our, yes, with our lips. But Lord, more importantly, I pray you'll help us to worship you with our lives. And I'll thank you for what you do in our hearts and minds. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Don.